Hello Knights and welcome to this digital exclusive for the 75th anniversary of the Gannon Knight, Gannon's student-produced news organization. My name is Chloe Forbes and I was the editor-in-chief of the Gannon Knight from 2020 to 2021. And I sat down with other past editors, Ben Spagan and Matt Rink, for this special edition of Under the Arch. I'm Matthew Rink. Uh, I'm a 2003 graduate of Gannon, and I was the editor-in-chief for the Gannon Knight 2002-2003 school year. I can say that the experience that I got working for the Knight and uh, the experience that I got from our advisor, John Kupitz, and the other students that worked on the paper has been, without a doubt, has impacted every step of my career. I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if it weren't for getting that kind of the boots on the ground, the actual experience of working uh, in journalism. It's not something that you just do in a classroom and then, you know, you really have to experience it. And working for the night was, was just, was everything. So... Great, so I'm Ben Spagan, 2007 and uh, 2009 graduate of Gannon University. Today I'm the editorial director of the Our Town Civic Foundation, vice president of the Jefferson Educational Society, and contributing editor to the Erie Reader. Uh, working backwards there, I would not have been able to help launch the Erie Reader if it were not for my experience uh, at the Gannon Night. In fact, the two fellows that had the business plan idea were uh, looking around for an editor because they didn't have any journalism experience. They had business experience, were ready to launch uh, a business that happened to be an alt-weekly. Uh, they were looking for somebody to be the editor for it, went around and met with advisors uh, here in Erie at the various campuses. And Frank Garland gave them my name and then gave me a call the minute they left his office and said, two guys are going to give you a call. I think it's a good opportunity. You should pursue it. And the rest, as they say, is history. The next question I'm going to ask starts at the beginning of your career of the night. So how did you become involved? When I was here, they still didn't have the JCOM program, so it was still English and you could minor in journalism. Uh, but when I showed up, it was English secondary ed. But uh, early on during a college visit, I remember walking around the campus with my dad, and he pointed to the office and was like, you should check that out, uh, because I had helped actually launch uh, my high school's newspaper, the Mighty Mike Messenger, out of Carmichael's area high school. And so I was excited to just see what was going on there. And I remember the first week on campus just going to a meeting and thought, this place just looks cool. So it's really fun to say, if I can, like, we're not sitting in the Gannon Knight office that we remember. Right, and, right. you know, and I'm sure that sounds really old and stuffy of, like, back in our day. And, you know, we remember when. But, you know, I think there's always something, like, really special about the corner of 7th and Peach of, like, remembering that office because it really felt like a newsroom to me. Like, going right. in, you know, on a college campus, and it's a smaller college, you kind of wonder what the paper's going to be like, but it felt like a newsroom. We really designed it that way, had the desk spread out, different sections, people working. It was always a live energy in there, whether it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday or 2 a.m. on production night of finishing right. it up. You know, there was always an energy. And so to see it in all its glory now in a new location and to be in a podcast studio and to know that there's a podcast <laughs> right. studio, I think it's really awesome to see how much it's grown. The spirit of being able to experiment. I think that's what was so valuable to me in the Gannonite experience is being able to make the mistakes, learn how to do it, and then also not, you know, be driven by likes and clicks and reads knowing that you know you were putting out the paper Absolutely. and that the yeah that the campus is reading it right and i think that was part of the fun too is like i remember actually like schlepping it around campus and putting it into the bins oh, and then yeah. like watching people congregate around like waiting for it like they were excited for that but then i also remember like at least for me with frank uh so he would sit there the entire night and just you know line edit with us to try to improve pieces 
But the next day, by the time I'm recovered and I'm like, all right, it's you know Wednesday, I settle in and I go to do the delivery. But on the desk was a marked up fresh copy of all the things we could have done better. And I, and I just I thought that was really remarkable that teaching experience and that learning experience be able to really foster a skill without the pressure of you know uh, having to deliver, especially with the ads. I, I agree. You know, it was it was great to have that experience of somebody that was a business student could plug in and learn how to sell ads and be a part of an organization. But again, that that chance to really grow and get to know it and really you know cut your teeth. I, I think that I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I'm just going to jump in that it's very difficult now that journalism kind of follows this pay-per-click advertising model, but it kind of reflects the time that we're in right now. And I was going to ask you kind of how the time period and what was going on in the world affected the content that you published when you were editor-in-chief. For me, we went into a pandemic when I became editor-in-chief, so we could not publish a paper and distribute it in a kind of made the night evolve into this digital platform that includes the podcast and includes a very nice website. And so kind of what were the things, the external factors that affected the night when you were in charge? That's huge. And I think it, I think that it's changed so much now. You know, so one, we didn't live through a pandemic. I mean, and the recession came right after I graduated, but even then, you know, we didn't have to live through that or report through that. I think, you know, reporting through a pandemic, I can't imagine doing that as a college student and <coughs> trying to find your way through it. Um, you know, so to drill down on something specific, I don't know, but what what I what I remember was realizing the power of journalism in a room and i remember the 2004 election and you know president bush came to town you know on the re-election and then i remember thinking like how we're covering that and i thought like we're covering that like we the gay and knight are doing something about that and i think that was my awakening to you know I'm a journalist, can open any door in the world when you say that, especially in free democracies, right? You know, so, I mean, obviously there are, you know, some some extenuating factors where that's not as freeing and, and you want to fight for that globally where journalists can get into the world. But I, but I think that that's just the calling card. Like, I'm a journalist, it opens a door. You can go pretty much anywhere and ask any question you want for the spirit of, I'm curious about this, tell me more, you know, or what is happening here or what has happened here. So... I think that was for me the the, the election of, of 2004 was you know an aha moment of wow this is like a get into anywhere free card. <sighs> I don't even know where to start. Crisis scandal going on. Um, you know we're now in like the early stages of a post 9/11 generation. We've got the Iraq War uh, just starting up. We we're covering all of these crazy things. And um, when I went to interview for my internship, uh, Liz Allen, she greeted me, brought me in, and I'm nervous as all get out, and, and she introduces me to Rick Sayers, who says, this is Matt Rink, the Gannon student who has been breaking all of these stories for us. That was, that was an extremely proud moment for me. So if, that's, if that kind of encapsulates how much the Gannon night impacted my career, that, I mean, that right there, that little moment. It's really phenomenal how even though the leadership of the paper, whether it's the students involved, the editor-in-chief, or the advisor, that the mission kind of stays intact, that it's this sort of accountability not only to the Gannon community, but to the Erie community at large, because Gannon is an integral part of that. 
and I think that changes throughout the year of how it's covered, but it's always very vital to the coverage of the night. I think that's really awesome. There are a lot of things about the night that I will say have not changed over the years. Looking at it for the past over the past 75 years, there are things like having a quote wall, still a thing. Um, we do we do have a quote wall here. There is still a quote wall over in the Walker Building basement, actually, and that, that it's one of those things that just stays no matter who's in charge. There are just traditions that were placed and they've been kept. And I know there are things with Frank Garland. So Frank is retiring this year, uh, but he has been the beloved advisor to the Gannon Knight for 15 years now. And uh, there are things that Frank has done that are also very traditional. I don't know if when he started, you would get weekly emails. Did you get those? We well, we definitely got the emails. We had the weekly marking up the copy of the paper, so this might be an evolution of that. Um, but definitely, I mean, a, a frequent touch points. Like I think that was the thing for me that I I valued about Frank <clears throat> is that I I see and I, I a lot of other people do. Journalism is an apprenticeship model, and you look for the mentors and advisors out there to coach you up. And I love that story about Liz. You know, like saying, you know, like oh, they broke stories because yeah, like we there were things on the gaming community we have the inside scoop on, and you know, we, and that's how you develop a rapport with other reporters in the community. And then before you know it, they're calling you saying, hey, have you heard anything about this? And then they're going to tip you off to something as well. And it's really this network. But I, I appreciated that about Frank. So yeah, the accessibility and openness to coaching up students. Going back to what you said about this being a place that you're not going to get reprimanded a whole lot if you do something incorrectly. It's very much an experience um, and an apprenticeship. And Frank is one of those people who is not very hands-on as a, a, a leader. He sees himself as an equal. And I think that's a really great experience to students here. So you can lead quietly, and I think that's what he's done remarkably. And I think that's one of the things I've carried along the way in all the places that I've worked is, you know, build a team, work together, see it, hear from other people, and most importantly, listen. You know, I think that's the greatest quality that a journalist can have is listen. <laughs> you skip entirely over small talk, and you get to a very important conversation. And people love to tell you that kind of stuff, and it's fun to just soak it in. So, like, being a good listener, you know, and I think that's one of the things I learned from Frank you know, to, to whom I owe, owe my career. I think it's an incredibly rewarding position, and Frank doesn't always vocalize how important he is in his students' lives, um, but he's produced some very great journalists. I just kind of wanted to come full circle to, at the beginning, you guys both kind of touched on the fact that you would want to go back and redo it just to kind of see with the experience you have now. So what would you tell current night staff members or writers right now? Like if you could give them a piece of advice, what would you tell them? Well, um, if you're going to do this, you've got to be willing to also accept the other side of it, which is the, which is the criticism. And so I would, I would tell students now, you know, to, uh, to challenge authority and to take on those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, one, I, I would say uh, <clears throat> the late nights are worth it. 
That's what I would tell my former self. Because you put in a lot of time, you know, like it, it is a craft and you work at it and it is not a nine to five. But I think that those of us that are, are drawn to, you know, that line of work are not nine to five kind of people. So it's all worth it. You know, you have to put a lot of work in. But, you know, to a lot of what Matthew is saying, you know, it's, it's question everything. And I, and I mean that in the heavy sense of, you know, just absolutely question everything and always make sure you get the answer. But also just have the freedom to ask questions and just keep pushing um you know i think that's one of the things that you know i i i I don't know if i knew it then but just the have the confidence to ask the questions and then it's also have the confidence to not you know not write for the applause and the clicks and you know the eyeballs but really write for and i think it goes back to why we want to do this is you know making sure the truth sees the light of day and making sure that people are informed and making sure people have access to that because you know the journalism as a whole is so important to what we do and i and we see that continually eroding the trust in journalism and it's hanging right there with government right you know two pillars of our society people have very little trust in but that shouldn't give you that shouldn't take away hope in fact it should give you more to work harder at that because the truth is the truth is the truth and if you tell it and you tell it and people read it it will stick it will hang on people will pay attention to it and so I think that's you know one of the things I, I would try to go back and I would tell somebody now you know because I think that you're you know I, I don't want to look back in a Pollyannish way and say, you know, oh, I think it was easier when I was doing it because I didn't have the challenges of today. And, you know, you're writing and reporting through a pandemic and a lot of other challenges. My gosh, you're doing it though, you know, and like that's encouraging and inspiring. And I think that's where, you know, yes, it's an apprenticeship model and you look for the mentors, but I, I feel great when I meet younger journalists, you know, students who are at it and have that you know, zest for it and energy for it and are pushing and are trying because then it's like, you know what, I should make sure I'm trying too. You know, I should, I should give something one more read before I just pass it along for publication or I should, did I ask the right question? Did I ask the question the right way? Did I get the actual answer? And can I go up and follow up on that? You know, I think that's the other important thing is, look, there's always just the deadline, you know, and tell people that, you know, and that's part of what, you know, draws us to this work too is that there's always a deadline to produce too. doesn't mean you can't follow up on it. You know, the story's not going to be the be-all, end-all of something. And I think that's one of the important things now when we see so many different outlets jockeying and vying for our attention of, you know, look at this, look at this, over this platform, different platforms. So many things are really competing for our eyeballs. You can still follow up on stories and you can keep following up on stories. And I think that's the role of journalists is so necessary to make sure that stories don't go away. You know, that's why local journalism is so important, right, is that... If there's not this watchdog out there keeping an eye on elected officials, not to say all are nefarious, but if nobody's watching, what happens? You know, and I think that's the role of journalists is to ask questions. Why did you vote this way? Why does the budget look like this? Why are you trying to lobby for this? And those are just honest questions. They're not gotchas. It's explain yourself. You know, explain this to me because I'm curious. And I think that's the last thing I tell, you know, I mean, you know, I met with, you know, former men say, just don't lose your curiosity. Keep being curious about things. Keep opening doors. I have a pension for opening doors. I shouldn't open. Like, literally, like, I will open doors. There's a door. I'm curious what's behind it. But I think that's also what drives me. You know, just be curious about stories that I, I get into, or things that I want to learn more about. So, you know, never lose the curiosity. I think that's a vital thing for all journalists. I think that's really excellent. I think journalism is just about having a really essential conversation with someone. And that's important, no matter what time period you're in or who you are. And unfortunately, that is kind of the end of our conversation today, but I would like to 
thank you both for being here and yes, happy 75th anniversary. Yes, look, it's all grown up and it's still growing. <laughs> really, thank you. This is fantastic. <laughs> of course. To read more about the Ganonites history, visit magazine.ganon.edu slash May 2022. And as always, find the Ganon Knight at www.ganonite.com. Thank you.